You look people from all angles, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mike. So we've got Mike Wardle here, who works in the educational sector. And um, obviously today we're going to do the uh, podcast in the gym. I'm hoping these microphones are picked up. It's first time using them. If not, um, follow the eyes. But otherwise, uh, yeah, we're just going to have a chat. Basically, you know, obviously, I can't start on a lot of these conversations that we've just had COVID and all that, because obviously I think it's been a bit of a game changer in this industry. 100%. Um, how have you found it in the educational sector? Yeah, it's it's been difficult, I would say. One of the things that I think for us as a company, so us now, we're set up primarily as an online education provider, Origin Centre of Excellence, and the course is done through like an e-learning platform. So I think if we go back to the beginning of COVID, back in March 2020, I actually remember we were delivering a full-time course in Liverpool at that time. and the news broke that the gyms were going to close and everything's going to change. And it was very up in the air. And I think for us as a company, I think had we not had the implement the system in place for the course delivery, it would have been very different. If I think about Premier Global, they've recently ceased trading oh, in yeah. June of this year. So they were like one of the pioneers yeah, of you know, well, fitness yeah. industry education. And I think one of the problems that they had was that they weren't robust and set up during COVID to have a platform that would deliver the course. So I think a lot of their delivery methods were still, I'm not necessarily saying like textbook manual delivery, but I think there was aspects of that, you know, PDF downloads. And whereas our course format now is very much, you go onto the platform, log in, let's say it's anatomy and physiology, you go through it, it's a drag and drop, you pull the information in, student answers a question, you know, name three long bones, they type it in, send it off, it comes straight into an inbox and that's marked by an assessor and tutor. It goes straight back to the student. So it's almost like instantaneous in terms of how they do that. So I think the fact that students could continue to do the course during lockdown was a massive game changer for us. I think had we not had that, it might have been very different. And actually, I think it helped us excel as a company and continue to move forward because um, we were able to maybe offer something that some of the trade providers couldn't potentially. Um, so have you... <clears throat> Have you found that a lot of people now, when it comes to the educational side, are they going more to do it to do it online or are they doing it still to be in-house personal trainer? I think it depends. I would say probably 80% of our students do it online. They still have to do a face-to-face practical assessment in a gym. Some training providers don't necessarily require that now. They'll do it online, but we still um, ensure that happens. Or they can do it part-time where they get access to workshop-based delivery. So you or I could turn up and we go through the applications of an assessment, you know, how to utilize equipment in the gym, basic principles of teaching exercise prescription. You know, this is an exercise. This is how you set it up. These are the teaching points for it. These are the things you want to consider and when you're actually delivering an exercise and how you might adapt it in a gym-based environment. Um, and then we also deliver a full-time course and people still do like to do that because they want to be taught in a classroom environment and then so practically could apply have, have the option to do it. They do have the option to do that. Yeah. We basically have three delivery methods. One's online, which is probably 80% of the student population, another part-time and then a full-time version of the course, which is delivered in-house. And it's crazy because I think if you go back to when you or I did it, I did my level two and then worked in a gym for a period of time in JJB as it was back then yeah. when, when we first kind of, um, work together and then i went away and did my pt as like a distance learning part-time course did it over a series of months and then came back to jdb when it became dw and pt there um but you can do the full-time course now in four weeks 
So you do level two in two weeks and level three in two weeks. It, yeah. it, it is crazy, yeah. absolutely crazy. I think there's an element of me thinking, you know, from a delivery point of view, it's like, how can you learn that information in four weeks? And you absolutely can't learn everything in four weeks. No. You know, it's it's now impossible to do. If we sat here and talked about the origins and insertions of every single muscle in the body, yeah. there's no way you can teach that in a 90 minute lesson. However, what the course does do, it gives someone the opportunity to, um, I think if you've got a base understanding of gym-based exercise and you are someone that exercises, maybe you've had a trainer previously or something like that. Maybe you've got a, a background in anatomy and physiology, whether that be at college, school, whatever it may be. I think it probably stands you in better stead to do a full-time course like that. I think you'd want some sort of experience behind you, albeit not having a qualification. I think if you were brand new to exercise, stepping into that, it could be quite daunting, I think. But equally, you can still do it, you know. Mm. So it's um, it gives you a stepping stone. But as you and I both know, when you step into the gym for the first time, there's so many things to learn from there, isn't there? You know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when you you get into the actual industry and you do it, you, you learn on your feet in anything really in life. You know, you can learn as much as you can. Yeah. Get a degree or anything doesn't mean you're necessarily going to do it. I mean, I, I always feel like, obviously, the years of being a PT and working in other gyms and working with other PTs, it's not the facts of sometimes it's your knowledge. It's, it's also, like, how you are. Are you a people person? Yeah. Have you got good communicational skills? You know, I always remember when I was working in the gym in London and, Use this sometimes as an example. There was two trainers. One wasn't particularly knowledge based, but just had that energy. Knew how to work the gym floor. Yeah. You were automatically drawn to him. The energy he used to bring, and you just wanted to be trained by him. Yeah. And then you had another trainer that was very, very, very knowledgeable. Um, I used to go to him to get my own personal knowledge sometimes, but I wasn't too sure about certain exercises or certain um, more favorable questions that, that get brought to me that I couldn't really answer but then I'll ask this particular client, uh, trainer what do you think of this but because he didn't have that natural outgoing ability to speak to people that confidence and this other trainer had he used to actually struggle on the gym floor and struggle yeah getting the client base and that so yeah I mean obviously you learn a lot and also that it's not that's down to the knowledge it's also about can you coach people hundred percent. You know, because like I say, you, you could have all the knowledge in the world and you could be outgoing, but sometimes people just don't know how to coach people. Some people don't know how to get into people's psyche. You know, some people, you know, are set, like a trainer can sometimes be set in the ways. I know now, obviously, training people before I had kids and, and a business to run and stuff like that. Whereas now, because I have all that, I understand back in the day, how my clients would struggle and now that dealing with clients in a similar position that I'm in that I know the difficulties in life and stuff yeah. whereas sometimes as a young PT you haven't had that life experience to understand the type of clientele that you've got of how it works and how difficult it is to eat right how difficult it is to exercise and yeah. bring this healthy lifestyle back into place because some people have been set in the ways of living their life in a certain pattern suddenly getting in there and being able to get them to change that passing yeah and get them to the think about things a little bit different how they should approach nutrition a bit more that's really probably exercise yeah you know before we came on camera we were talking about how you implicate it into a bit of a lifestyle for someone and when it becomes a lifestyle for someone and it becomes a lot more easy for them to adapt and it's just like education and all that yeah and like you said before about accountability 
100%. I think what you've just said there is really interesting because we have quite a lot of students that are maybe a little bit older, so they might be, you know, in their 30s, maybe in their 40s, and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure whether am I a bit old to be a personal trainer? And I would agree with the sentiment that you've just made there in that if I think when I came into the industry, although I'd been to college, university, and done a couple of other things, I think given that I was a little bit older when I came to PT, it was actually a bit more beneficial just based on the fact that I had a little bit more life experience and those things that you just talked about there, being able to empathize and understand what someone might be going through. If you are a little bit older and you have some of those experiences yourself, when you're having those conversations, it's easier to understand that, isn't it? You may well have been there yourself if it is with children and time availability to do things, but also, you know, being able to converse with somebody between the ages of 30 and 60, 75 years of age, whatever it may be, and everything in between and where that kind of common ground is. So I do think sometimes having a little bit more experience isn't, uh, in terms of age isn't necessarily a bad thing coming into yeah. the industry, you know? Oh, no, definitely. I mean, Carl Jesus, thinking about me as a PT when I was 21, 22, so PT now coming up to 41 next week. <laughs> massively massively different my knowledge base yeah. and i think that's why, why i'm more consistent on getting results because i know what works what doesn't work yeah definitely you know sometimes when i when i create the programs and i take on new trainers and we work off the templates that i do for my clients and what i want to work on when it comes to building muscle and burning fat you know they sometimes talk about oh, hey, oh could we add this in and out and i listen to them and you know sometimes they give some good points but then yeah. i sometimes say yeah but if we're looking for fat loss and we can only see this client a couple of times a week, we don't want to be doing loads of arms yeah. because this arms are going to get worked out in back exercises. Um, it's going to get worked out in pressing exercises. Your triceps and your biceps are going to get worked in different ways. Yes, we will do a little bit of emphasis on the arms, but we're not going to spend not going the 12 of yeah. a 12 week period. We're not going to spend eight weeks doing it. We might do it as a back end thing just to really shape up when we, we've got that particular client on a better diet. So towards the end, we're getting a little bit leaner and we can show a bit more definition in the arms and work a little bit more on the smaller groups. Whereas I've learned that over time, what works best for clients. And one thing that I would like to say that you look at the clientele results, all different ages. Yeah. You know, I've had a good result with a, with a client <clears> that was in the late sixties and I'm really exercised apart from doing aerobics back in the day, just coming in. She loved it. We've seen some great physical changes. Yeah. And that is because the knowledge I've gained over them years. And even now, I'm still, me personally, I'm constantly learning all the time. You yeah. know, the reason why I do a podcast is, the reason why I talk to people like yourself is I'm constantly like to get educated, different things. That's a great thing about this industry. There's so much to learn. I don't know if you've been watching it. I mentioned it the last time, uh, one of the podcasts about Limitless with uh, Chris Hemsworth. Okay, yeah. Uh, on the um, National Geophonic Channel. A lot of the stuff I've learned myself because I'm quite into, as you get older, you get into more like um, longevity and stuff. Yeah. Because obviously I've got young kids and I want to be around for my grandchildren and stuff. So I'm looking at that that element of it. And I knew a lot of the things they're talking about because I kind of researched that myself. But even from watching that, I'm learning things and understanding things a lot more diff- but better yeah. as you go on and stuff. And um, yeah, you know, I think with education, it's a constant ongoing thing, oh, no matter it, what age you are. Yeah, you know, it is 100%. I think for me, since moving into the education sector for the fitness education, I've definitely learned a lot in the last five, six years for sure. Just in, in terms of, as you said there, there's always somebody else that will have, you know, um, you know, a different background, different story, different experience, and you can always learn something and take something from those things. And it might even be in the classroom environment when you're actually teaching, delivering something, somebody who's in there, 
will offer something of value and something of worth. And it's always good to kind of just take that information yeah. in, isn't it? You know, and take it forward and utilize it for whatever that might be. Yeah. It's just a different te- uh, de- um, teaching techniques as well. 100%. How you approach different people. Yeah. You know, um, I've always sometimes had to adapt my personality and my approach to some people. A bit like probably being like a football manager. You know the ones to give the arm around. You know the ones to sometimes be a bit more... I'll never class myself as a shouty personal trainer, but be more direct with them. Yeah. Um, to, to help get them results. They'll be cruel to be kind. Yeah. You know, when they tell you, when you're getting them on the, um, trying to look for fat loss, and we get them on the scales and the weight's gone up, and they're telling me they're eating salads every day. We know someone's telling them porkies, and they'll try yeah. and pull a fast one because simple physics, you know, if your weight's going up, yeah, there could be other elements that could be causing that weight. It could be fluid attention or medication or anything like that. But nine out of 10, it's probably because they're overdoing it. Yeah. What I do, like me personally, if I take on a client, the main goal is for weight loss and just to get them on that bandwagon, I'll try and do measurements. Depending on how much weight we need to lose, could be every two weeks, every four weeks, could be every week to give them that bit of accountability. But yeah. after that, once we, I feel like we've got into that psyche of that particular client, then it might just do it every, every 12-week, rolling 12-week program. Yeah. And I think... As well now, there's loads of different training methods. I'm pretty still much old school, the old weights yeah. side of it. Um, so I just for me, I think it's the best. You know, there's all different types of strength training, but now you've got the things like CrossFit. It's obviously yeah. a huge thing. It is. Um, like um, the more like strength conditioning side yeah. is, is, a, is a big thing. It's not just about building muscle or doing aerobic for aerobic capacities type of stuff or running and that. We got CrossFit, which is a, a bit of a mixture in that. Do you come across a lot of trainers that want to get into that field? Yeah, I think take CrossFit, for example, and the new, like High Rocks is quite a big thing now, isn't it? A lot of people are doing that. It's kind of like a bit of a hybrid. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so um, there's lots of those High Rocks competitions that are going on now that incorporate aspects of resistance and cardiovascular training, which essentially for muscular and CV endurance, really, um, working things like you know pushing prowls and skiers and you know all those types of things so um yeah that's that's another big push at the moment and i think a lot of crossfit boxes set up with having that and then high rocks has kind of come along and i think jim may be looking to kind of facilitate something that supports people that want to train specifically for that um i think i think like you just said there though with a lot of people coming into industry it just shows that there is scope to do lots of different things mm-hmm. and ultimately i think like you said there people are training for general population for programming there's nothing wrong with your fundamentals of training and implementing them they'll always stand the test of time won't yeah. they you know good fundamental programming uh, that's balanced throughout and make sure that you know incorporates compound movements some accessory work uh, that make sure they're getting a bit more bang for their yeah. book you know that you will always get people that want to maybe i guess like sort of divert their attention towards something a bit more niche maybe yeah. and but there'll always be something else that comes along in the fitness industry and it'll always have that and things go full circle don't they oh yeah definitely i mean it's just picking things like mixed martial arts is a big thing yeah you know that's why one of my next guests on the podcast is going to be that kind of background because i want to try and cover all different aspects because i think every anything that gets your heart rate up anything yeah. that challenges you anything that gets your muscles working gets the heart working most importantly they all have the, the main benefits and that. It's like, um, I think for me, like I've always said to like other trainers coming through, I've always said you've got to find a little bit of a niche of what you do. Yeah. 
because one of the things I used to say to some people is like they're an expert in everything. It's hard to be an expert in anything. Yeah, definitely. I know a little bit of everything, but I will always stick to my kind of niche. What I tend to try and do for people is the typical um, burn body fat, build muscle. Yeah. And, and that's what we do. And that's what you mostly would do when you come to doing weight training in, a, in this kind of gym environment, the kind of setup I have, would be to do that. You know, we, we, it's not for uh, strength conditioning. We don't have, um, well, we do have kettlebells and barbells, but we don't we have a few bumper weights, but it's not this, obviously, Mine is with my wife, who's has a beauty salon, so it's not going to be throwing barbells down or yeah. running around the streets and hit smashing the railway and trying to do so many cows and that. Yeah. And I think it's just finding something that you that you like. I mean, me personally, even though I'm not a bodybuilder, but one thing that I always remember from pumping iron, I love their pump, you know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's what yeah. I like. And I yeah. think the clients that come and train me Lee like to work their muscles and feel a bit tighter and you know a little bit sore not too sore they can't walk the next day but they feel that benefits and they see that muscle tone and obviously with the beauty salon for my muscle is like look good feel good to be used with early fitness and beauty yeah and i think for a lot of trainers that come into it i think it is good to have a little bit of a niche and go to the thing that you like the most so if, if you're into strength conditioning if you've got a bit more of a sporty background and want to get into the gym maybe CrossFit's quite good because I feel like a lot of people that go into CrossFit tend to have that kind of background. Yeah, I, I would say that. I think also, you know, if you have got like a passion for something, you kind of, you want to direct it that way really, don't you? Because you're going to get the most out of that as opposed to if you are somebody that, like you say, you know, is very keen on CrossFit, but then somehow ends up working in a commercial gym environment. They, they may not necessarily have that same passion, desire that they might do in a CrossFit box where actually they're in a domain and an area where they're like, actually, this is what I want to do, you know, yeah. very, very different. So, yeah, I think um, I think you're right. It's important to have adaptability, I think, and trying to make sure that, yes, you can cover more bases, but at the same time, you know, um, don't be afraid to have a specialist area that you you know yeah because i think i think as a trainer it also helps separate it and you know if you can become a better person in a particular niche area yeah you're going to be there because like i said the fitness you can do loads of things yeah you know if you really wanted to to go out there you know i mean some people can really niche themselves down where they just do kettlebell training they're the kettlebell person yeah obviously you've got your pilates you've got your yoga um like I've said, and this is why I interview different people that do different things, is I think everything's good to have a pinch. And, and I think for the individual uh, that you're training, it's sometimes find it what they want to do, what they prefer. Because like I say, you know, I do like a free consultation for half an hour where I'll bring in, sit down, have a chat, have different, I sell my sessions in blocks. And they can have five, 10 or 20. Great. If they have 20 that shows a great commitment. Sometimes if they, I know they're not too sure, I say do commit to five sessions. See how you find it. Yeah. This might not be the right thing for you. Yeah. And if it's not as a trainer, from another trainer's point of view, don't be offended if someone doesn't like the way you train. There's nothing wrong with how you train people. Yeah. Just sometimes it might not be their cup of tea. I think that does come with experience, doesn't it, as well? And almost kind of having the humility to be okay with that. I think when you're new to PT, you can not necessarily take offense, but can think, why wouldn't anybody just want to train here and do this? But actually, it just might not be the right fit. And it might be that because fitness is so holistic and there's so many things that you can do, 
it just might be not what that person wants to do at that particular moment in time, isn't it? You know, so you do have to uh, have to consider that for sure. Uh, it's definitely something we kind of encourage a lot with the students on our courses that it's okay. You know, it's okay to have that adaptability, and ultimately, you know, they potentially won't build a business overnight, and it has to be you know take yourself twenty years in industry. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's longevity in that, isn't there? And you know, it does take time to build those businesses, and I think probably one of the things that. Um, I would certainly like to have an impact on particularly people that are finishing qualifications and going out into industry is actually supporting that kind of the next step when they, they first get into industry and whether it is in a commercial gym or whether it's in a, a PT studio environment and actually how they go about building the business from there. Because it, it's not the easiest thing to do, is it? You know, yeah. you and I both know that, that it it does take time. And, you know, if you are in a commercial gym, you've got the advantages of the footfall of people coming through a door. So do you go there first and build a business? Or if you go to a, you know, a private studio, you want to make sure that you've got a good social media presence. And if you're you know, new to that and yeah. maybe not necessarily comfortable with it, you're going to have to step out. You're going to have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, aren't you? Yeah. And I think the more you do that, uh, the, the more opportunities you'll give yourself going yeah. forward. It's like we were talking about before, I mean, about the online personal training. It's just something that, feel like I kind of got to get involved because I've got this type of software like my PT hub that does a lot towards online PT and yeah because I've kind of um created all these type of programs of, over the years that I know that work for people and I can adapt them to anyone and because I've obviously got a smallest gym that's still quite fairly quick whatever program I can write if you're a, a member of any commercial gym you should be able to fit in and be able to do these programs yeah. and stuff <clears throat> and like I was saying, it's like how to network in a huge scale. Like I was saying when I interviewed the trainer that done one of these guru courses and saying like every time someone likes or comments on a post, approach them like you would approach it someone on the gym floor, which yeah. I thought was someone with my experience has never even thought about doing before, you know, yeah. doing all like that. I mean, are you finding a lot of trainers now that are going for the purely for the online PT or I think it's definitely a factor. I think in this day and age, there's a lot more emphasis on social media, isn't there? You know, people yeah. are using a lot more, you know, I think we were probably of the era where it was sort of particularly like Facebook, you know, we were still like young, but it was like, take like Instagram, for example, yeah. a lot of, you know, social media influencers will use Instagram, you know, for us as a company, you know, social media is huge for us, you know, um, we will utilize Instagram a lot. Um, and also our students will use Instagram for, you know, the fact that they're you know, doing the course and they'll advertise that they're doing it and what they're working on at different points in time. And I think it's it's the way the industry has kind of gone. I think I said to you before, you know, the actual qualification framework, you know, it's still regulated by Ofqual and, you know, it used to be endorsed by reps, but reps are no longer a thing. That's what I say. So you ever hear about the reps? No, so it's SIMSPA now. So it's the Chartered Institute for the Management of Sport and Physical Activity. They basically are the endorsement of the qualifications in the UK now. So uh, they're they're a charity and they've kind of taken that forward now. So any qualifications that any new trainers come in for you, they would probably likely have an endorsement from Sims, but as opposed to it used to be reps for you and I, it was like reps were the main players, you know, yeah. you had to have a reps um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, certificate and, you know, be on their membership directory, whereas Sims have kind of... You still do them CPD points. I think I yeah. created that many CPD points. Yeah. I think the only thing that I could do after that, when I, I think when I passed to all sorts of CPD points, I thought, well, there's not much really that I wanted to do with it anymore. So yeah. I, I, since I stopped that, I've never no, hit 
done much with Rex, but then at the same time, I've never heard of them. But, but it is interesting because, you know, since they've kind of, I'd say, they, I think they acquired Rex in 20, 2019, 2020, and, and they've obviously taken that acquisition and taken that forward. And I think they're obviously looking to, I think one of the things that always comes back to the fitness industry and something that a question that's asked to me a lot is, you know, standardising qualifications. And ultimately, there's not a lot you can do with the qualification because the qualification is set by Ofqual and then the awarding organisation that then you purchase that qualification from, you know, whether it's Active IQ or Focus Awards who are awarding organisation, um, you know, NCFE, they'll deliver the qualification, say this is the remit of the qual and then you then deliver that qualification as the provider. So I think you'll always get in any industry, the cream will always rise to the top, won't they? So, you know, yeah. those that really apply themselves and want to be the best trainers will always eventually get there. Um, I think what you might find is that, and I don't know, you know speculating a little bit here, you might find that from an endorsement point of view, that maybe Simsbury try to put something in place that encourages, you know, the likes of commercial gyms and or, you know, the likes of yourself to kind of have trainers that come on board that have a qualification that's endorsed by themselves moving forward. I don't know whether we'd ever get to a point where, from a regulatory point of view, that would stand up. But but you might find you'd get a bit, a bit more consistency across the board, yeah. maybe with the the quality of trainers that come into the industry, you know. Yeah. But I think I touched on before that I think from an online delivery point of view, as you as you mentioned there, a lot of people are doing qualifications online and want to be online trainers. And I do think they spend more time in front of a camera, you know, in front of a computer, and maybe less time interacting. You know, you talked about that guy earlier who his anatomy and physiology knowledge and his understanding of so many things was great, but actually his personal rapport building skills maybe weren't as strong as they could be, you know, and, and I think you always have to weigh those yeah. things, you know, personal trainer, it's in the job title, isn't it? You, know, you have to have the ability to build personal relationships with people professionally, yeah. you know. I mean, it's funny with like with me, I'm a one-to-one, this is why I've kind of gone down the podcast route because like I said, I love listening to podcasts and I love talking to people. I'm a very much a people person. Yeah. So when I'm in, with people, I can have a good laugh and train people and explain people and really educate people. But you try and put me on front of a camera on my own and talk, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I aim and arm a lot and, and like that. I can't, I just haven't got that side of me. It's like one of my uh, ex-trainers, he, he does it online and he's fant- he speaks really well online. He, he, he talks, but... If I'm not getting any feedback when I'm talking to someone, I find it very hard talking to a camera. So I think that's probably one of the things that's always kind of put me off doing online training. I know me online, I could do great things on online with a client, but actually marketing myself online in front of a camera, I find that very, very, very difficult. So that's like a a skill in itself. And this is someone with really... Acting background, you know, <laughs> I've done still done stage and stuff, yeah. and done, seen that, done. seen those pictures. Yeah, as well. <laughs> you know, you go onto my personal profile on Facebook and that, you would see that I've done all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but again, it's because I'm interacting with other people. Me just speak, I'll never be a bloody TV presenter, put it that way. I do think there is an there is an element. Though. It's like anything, isn't it? The more you do something like that, the probably the more comfortable you become in doing that. So you kind of have to probably persevere with it a little bit. But it it is. It is different, you know. I, we talked about it just before we started the uh, the podcast about, you know, I see a lot of students that come in through assessment delivery, and you know, some really great people. But but I think the way the qualifications are set, and not not just by ourselves, but just in general terms now, because the majority of the course is delivered online, 
then maybe they have less interactions on a day-to-day basis with people. Mm. So when they are in a GIV assessment, you know, they're able to say that, yes, this is a lap pull down. This is how you use it. These are the teaching points and they can give all that. But it's that moment once the exercise has been delivered. And then right now we're resting and we're resting for 60 seconds or 90 seconds or whatever the parameter is for the training aim. Okay. Where's the conversation? So yeah. it almost becomes a, oh God, like I want this time to elapse yeah. so that we can do, an, do another set. But actually, you know, how was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did it feel? Where yeah. could you feel it? Yeah. Was the weight heavy enough? How many reps in reserve did you have? Could you do a little bit more? You know, it's those sorts of like soft skills, I think, that yeah. we don't kind of want to lose, I think, from the industry to make sure that yeah. people are still doing those things. I mean, personally, for me, I think you, I, I, I think from a client's point of view and as a trainer's point of view, the best is always on the floor for me. Yeah. That, like, because I'm old school, I can see helping people because obviously the only thing about sometimes having a PT can become quite cost expensive yeah. for some people. So, Online is obviously a cheaper variation of doing it, but you're not getting that proper one-to-one help. Um, yes, you get a bit more. You can get accountability online, but you get more accountability when you're actually dealing with a trainer. Because one thing as well, like as a client, I know clients don't like to let me down. I think it's very important if you're a personal trainer that you have a cancellation policy in there because it works two ways. One, it, it protects you for your time that, that you there because if someone cancels. Less than 24 hours, sometimes it's hard to fill that slot, especially if one of them slots is in between two two sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, sometimes you think you could have a workout on that time. But also what it does, it gives accountability to the client. The client will have a, a connection with you and won't want to let you down. So it's good for them because it makes them even more accountability. Because let's be honest, like, if you can't be asked, you just don't go. No. You know what I mean? I mean, most people that get a trainer, well have that ability about them yeah, not all the time sometimes people come to me and they love coming here and they, they want to do the session and they want to work really really hard and i'm just there to push them and give them the guidance that they need yeah but a lot of people that get a trainer are getting there because they want that accountability yeah and you've got to find the best way of getting accountability and you never get anything better than accountability than a face-to-face oh 100 i i agree with you yeah. I, th- I think you'll again i don't think no matter how the course is delivered and, and what happens in the next, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years in, in the fitness industry. I mean, just, you know, more gyms will continue to open. It's even something about Pure Gym opening another... Is it opening one in South Park? Another two, is it another two to 300 gyms by 2027? Yeah. I remember saying they so, open one um, in QA, QA State with one doing the same space and have one there. There you go. So I think, you know, the, the commercial gym market will never go away the, the ability for all the wants for want to face-to-face pt will always be there but is think. there any fitness instructors anymore well so i so this thing like so from a, a education point of view you'll know yourself a prerequisite qualification to be a level three personal trainer you have to do a level two in fitness instructing or yeah. gym instruction but now when i worked in dw when i went when i went back as a pt they had fitness instructors there that they made redundant at that time for yeah. the reason being they were kind of like well actually we're not going to have fitness instructors in the gym we'll get the pts to do that job so they're kind of i guess the middlemen really in that you either paid a full rent or you pays half a rent or half the amount of money but then you had to give up x amount of hours each week to do the things that a gym instructor would do so you know cleaning the equipment and general gym inductions and things like that, that, you know, a, a gym instructor would continue to do. So it, it's a strange one because 
you have to have that qualification to become a level three personal okay. trainer. But actually in terms of jobs now, unless you went to like a leisure center or a council run facility, you don't see many fit instructor jobs about now, yeah. which if, if I'm being honest, I think is a little bit of a shame because yeah. I, and, and you'll probably say the same, I grade I gained a great deal from being a fitness It's, it's an actual step up to be a personal trainer. 100%. Just if you didn't have that, I mean, when I got into personal training, when I, when I went from a fitness instructor to personal training, if I hadn't had that knowledge, I probably wouldn't have worked. I mean, definitely. You know, I would, well, when I say wouldn't have worked, I wouldn't have got busy. As, I mean, people were asking me when I was as a fitness instructor to become a personal trainer. Yeah. So as soon as I left that personal training role, I went straight into personal training. And like I said, with me, I never went into a commercial. I went straight into private, yeah. private gym, really. But I think you had the experience. You had a lot of experience as a fitness instructor. And I almost, it's, it makes me sad in a way because I think the qualification, although you have to have it, it's almost like a diminished role now. Yeah. And I talk to students about it a lot saying, actually, you should just do level three and just get up yeah, and yeah, really. a little bit. I mean, bit, the idea yeah. is, <laughs> Once you've done level two, level three is pretty straightforward, really. You're just learning more like certain concepts of training, really. It but... is. It's more that, you know, the, the, the classic kind of, I guess, like, uh, you know, programming from a like a, an advanced training system, point of view, like a superset or a drop set or yeah, a tricep, and pyramids oh, and triceps and things like that. And that's great, isn't it? It's, it's all well and good for supporting program, mm -hmm. but the underpinning of the qualification at level two is still the, the basic fundamentals of good balance to exercise, yeah. push, pull, legs, you know, yeah. making sure you compound before your ISOs and, you know, all those kind of fundamentals of training that never go away. Basic gym instruction, you know, inducting someone into the gym for yeah. the first time, who's a beginner, how do you go about doing that? And fixed resistance machines aren't bad to use, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's all these types of things where they're just, they're good fundamentals. And I think if you haven't done that job, I think on the one hand, students coming into it now, and maybe at a slight disadvantage because they do go straight into a commercial gym and there's no pre sort of opportunity for them to kind of get to speak to people. They're kind of just yeah. going straight in off the bat and like, right, well now actually I'm a self-employed trainer and I'm in this facility for the first time and I need to start building a business and yeah. start peeking to people and getting on the gym floor and be comfortable with that. Uh, and that's not always easy to do if you have yeah. no previous experience. Well, you remember when we were at JGB or Dubai at the time, when we had like, when they started introducing personal trainers and some of the personal trainers that came in were straight off the bat. Yeah. And you're like looking and thinking, yeah, I've got a clue. We've got more of an idea what to do than, yeah. than them. No, no, definitely. And yeah. basically what people were paying probably at the time was, uh, paying a personal training for what you probably could have got from your fitness instructor. No, no, definitely. You know what I mean? It's... But this is it. I think we probably gave what we would consider at that time, albeit on minimum wage, you know, yeah. a, a very good level of fitness instructing service, if you yeah, wanted yeah. to call it that. And I, I think you're right. Like the PTs, were they actually giving something that was a level above? Possibly not, you yeah, know, yeah. But, but they were wearing a black T-shirt and they had a picture on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah that so... was a difference, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that was a difference. Well, um, so my if if obviously probably aiming this one more towards people that want to maybe get into personal training and stuff. What's the best way to like uh, to approach yourself or to get on the training course and to, to become a personal trainer? So uh, for, obviously for us now, our our website is originpersonaltrainingcourses.co.uk, um, and we do a whole host of courses which we discussed before. Anything from level two gym instruction, level three personal training, sports massage therapy exercise referral, a lower back pain, uh, yoga more recently, oh, okay. uh, yeah, obesity, diabetes management, 
Uh, nutrition course as well so there's lots of different do you still do over 50s course by any chance uh, no no <laughs> i never you know what now i did an over 50 course flipping it i would have been probably early 20s maybe when i come back from the cruise ships and personal training and i did an over 50s course i think i did it with the ymca and when i look back at that what a what a daft thing that was yeah because i won't train a, a, a 50 year old any different than a 20 year old no you know I, I, I mean? I, I, they used to say don't put don't lift above your head <laughs> I think if someone's got like, I don't know, like maybe they're taking some sort of blood pressure tablets or something, maybe that things, but if it's just general population, yeah, yeah. you're right. I think um, there's, there's a lot of, I think maybe a, a lot of these courses that were like niche courses were almost just to try and supplement a train provider to kind of be like, well, actually, we'll yeah, probably help people to get a little bit of a, a kind of a niche to begin. Maybe, you know, maybe. if you were going for over 50s, if you're going for people that suffer with diabetes, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's obviously good to get them them things i mean i always laugh i show people like my, my audio books i used to love reading and i still read but because of the way life is so busy i yeah. find it a lot easier doing audio books and i think on my audio book i've got things about diabetes got things about cancer got people uh, things about um dementia and alzheimer's believe okay. it or not weight training is probably one of the best ways to starve dementia and alzheimer's um, i've got one on their uh, celiac disease so I kind of do self-educate myself yeah. in that, but at least when you're doing like a proper educational program, you're kind of being educated about how you approach a client. Yeah. Whereas when you read about something, you're just learning about a particular thing, you're not knowing how to, because again, like going back to what we've talked about, it's actually dealing with the person. How do you deal with that? I think that's the biggest thing. It's, the, it's, it's all very well, isn't it? Having all the theoretical underpinning of information but it's actually practically applying that, isn't it? And that will never go away from the job as a personal trainer, fitness instructor. You still have to practically apply those yeah. things, whether that's online or whether that's in a face-to-face -face, you know, domain. So, uh, do you, Obviously, I'll gather you on, on social media and that. Yeah, so we've, uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And we've actually got a student Facebook page there whereby I think there's, I want to say there's over 12,000 students on the oh, Facebook okay, page cool. there. So it, it's actually become quite a... A nice one of like a hub for the students to yeah. share information whether that's about course content whether that's about practical delivery you know someone's just recently done a practical you know how they found it mm -hmm. you know what the assessment protocols were like and things like that so they do utilize it to kind of support each other which is which is quite nice too brilliant um, yeah michael absolute pleasure mate always yeah. a pleasure always a pleasure thank you for doing this cheers